Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Awesome. As Pastor Nate said, uh, I'm Pastor Greg. Excited to be with you today. I feel like I haven't been here for like forever. I was in Thailand for 10 days uh, visiting some of our international workers, came back for a little bit, and then I was in Calgary uh, working with our district office in Alberta. I'm on the district executive team, so I give some leadership there. So I was down there for four days, uh, and I haven't preached, I think, for a month. And so I'm excited today to be able to to be here with you. Um, Just a little note, I hear a lot of kids. That is such a wonderful thing. What a blessing it is to have kids in the service. I want to encourage you, if you're a parent here and you're feeling kind of like, oh no, my kids are making too much noise, don't feel bad. Like we love children. We love that there's kids in the service. If you do, we have some options for you. You can just hang out here if you want, and your kids, if they're being a little rambunctious, that's okay. If they're getting to the point where you think they're really kind of disturbing what's going on, we've got kind of a quiet room that's right there. You can kind of still see what's going on in here. Um, And we also have a nursery that's open. It's not manned, so there's nobody in there. So as a parent, if you're going to go take your kid down there, you've got to stay with your kid. Uh, But it's kind of a play area down there. There's a TV on, so you can watch the service. But really, I encourage you, if, if your kids are not being too much of a distraction, hang out here. We love children. We're okay with a little bit of a distraction. It's okay because we love children. So while well, I'm excited about today, I'm excited about this Sabbath series. I'm excited about baptism. And uh, I'm excited because today is a good day. Today is a good day. Amen. There we go. So you might be sitting there and you might be wondering, how in the world could Pastor Greg actually be saying today is a good day? I've had people question me on this before. I've said for many years now, uh, today is a good day. And I think every day, every day is a good day. And I've had people challenge me and I've had people say, don't you know that there are wars happening in our world? And right now there are. There's several wars going on in our world. Some that we've seen in the news, some we've kind of become bored by and we don't think about anymore, but they're still happening. Some that are happening that we don't even hear about in the news. There's wars happening. There's famine around the world. There's people that go through the whole day, several days with nothing to eat. There are broken families. There is travesty happening in this world. There is some rough stuff happening in this world. And it seems like there's injustice all over the place. We have injustice in the back alley. We have injustice in the parliament buildings. We have injustice all over the place. So how in the world could I say that today's a good day? Don't I realize how much ugliness there is in the world? Well, yes, I do. I realize that the world is actually full of ugliness locally, and globally. But did you know that the world is also full of goodness and beauty? In the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we read this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. The word translated good there is the word tov in the Hebrew, and it can also be translated beautiful. But as we look out into the world today, the goodness and the beauty of God, uh, it seems somehow eclipsed by what the New Testament writer Paul calls the kingdom of darkness, that fallout of a post-Eden world, what has happened because sin has entered the world. There seems to be this overshadowing of the kingdom of darkness. We see the effects 
of sin on the world every day. We are even sometimes overwhelmed by how much ugliness we are forced to see in this digital age. There's a 24-7 news cycle going on with people just talking about all the bad stuff that's happening. We're force-fed a steady diet of fear and rage. Uh, We know the news is biased, But I'm not talking about politically biased here. I'm talking about downward biased. It seems in this world that fear sells. And the most fearsome and ugly things of this world sell the most. And through social media, we are constantly harassed, not just with the ugly things, but with the worst kind of behaviors. And not only that, but we're also tempted to compare our days, our hard, difficult, rough days, with everybody else's highlight reel. We see everybody posting the, the, the best possible things that have happened to them, and we look at our lives and we go, how come the best possible things are not happening for me all the time, like it seems like the people I see on Facebook? All we see is how good they are or how easy they have it, and we compare that to our own vast shortcomings, and it is ugly. But even if we went back before this digital age, even before if we went back before there was a 24-7 breaking news world, we would not find utopia. It wasn't like we could go back 100 years or 200 years or 300 years and find this perfect paradise We'd find a world without modern medicine or sanitation or a steady food supply, a a place where famine and plague and war was regularly tearing through society, where life expectancy was decades lower than it is today, where it was normal to lose loved ones, especially children. The olden days were sometimes even uglier. And sadly, much of this world lives in this space right now. We live in kind of a really, really affluent, wealthy nation, but most of the world is not this way. Most of the world lives with the full ugliness right in front of them. Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. Troubles, I think he says, troubles. We will have troubles and sorrow and ugliness. These things are inevitable in life. Now, even if you're a glass half full type of personality, which I'm a glass half full personality, I'll even be like, hey, the glass is not just half full of water, it's half full of air. This is fantastic. It's a fully full glass. So even if you're like me, and even if you might have won the circumstance lottery, maybe you live in a, in a very nice house and you've got a couple of vehicles and you have food aplenty and you're healthy, wealthy, and wise, even if you are in this place where you are cheerful and full of life, you will still have trouble. Now, this sounds like a terrible sermon for you to show up for on a day like today, hey? Oh, it was snowing. I should have just stayed home. <laughs> but here's the hopeful turn. Here's the hopeful turn. Sorrow is not the whole story in our human existence. Jesus did say, in this world, you will have troubles. It's reality. But Jesus went on to say, he finishes off that sentence by saying, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In that same section of Scripture, Jesus says this. He says, these things, and he told them a bunch of stuff about life and about hope and about peace and all this stuff. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may overflow. The problem is, while sorrow and ugliness and difficulty are inevitable in life, The experience of joy is an invitation 
Sorrow will come to visit our lives rudely without our permission, but joy. Joy, we have to choose joy, and we have to keep choosing it again and again and again. Now, in Scripture, the word joy shows up as both a noun and a verb, and not to be too grammar about it, but just so you know, where you see the word joy or you see the word rejoice, which is the verb. Rejoice, it actually means to joy. So the, in, the, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the, the word joy, when we see rejoice, it's to joy. You should joy, to joy. This word shows up many times throughout Scripture. And I want to just take a real quick moment at the word joy so that we can understand kind of what's going on here. Now, now joy, when we look at joy, joy is three different things. Joy is a feeling, and joy is a condition, and joy is a discipline. So I want to talk first about how joy is a feeling. Now, often in churches, you hear that happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is a feeling, and oftentimes we were like, feelings are bad. We should throw out feelings. Don't feel feelings. Get rid of feelings. Feelings are fleeting. Don't pursue feelings. But actually, you've been lied to a little bit. Maybe just it's a misunderstanding. If we do a word study on joy and happiness in Scripture, we'll see that it's actually interchangeable. These two concepts, happiness and joy, they're, they're the same thing. There, there is, yes, a choice-based gift from God that we often call joy that goes beyond our circumstances. So you can see people in difficult times having joy regardless of how they feel. But there is also this feeling of joy that we experience when life is kind of as it should be. The feeling in our body when all is well, that's also joy. Joy is also a feeling. We don't need to be scared about describing joy as a feeling. Sometimes we feel very joyful. Feelings are not scary. Sometimes we feel joyful. So yes, friends, joy is a feeling, but it is also a condition, a character trait, I like to think about joy in this way, the condition of joy, kind of like a farmer's fingers. Okay, if you're a farmer in here, just kind of show your fingers to people around you, okay? Kind of like a farmer's fingers. Now stay with me here because this is really good. When you shake hands with a farmer, you know you're shaking hands with a farmer. Those big old callous sausage fingers tell you right away that this is a person that works with their hands. I don't have farmer's hands. I have dainty little hands. I'm often like, how do I, like, I don't know what, what exercise to do to get big sausage fingers, but like, you farmers, I'm just, I think it's so amazing what, what you guys have. Now, those hands didn't start out that way, but over years and years of conditioning, those fingers became gloriously rotund. Those big, meaty hands were earned, earned through every day of hard farm work. Joy is like a farmer's fingers. In the beginning, there might not have been much joy, but year after year of spending time with Jesus has built up gloriously rotund joy in the heart of the believer. In Galatians 5, joy is described as one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's actually the second one, one of the fruit of the Spirit. In classical language, we call that a virtue. Just like wisdom or courage or fortitude, just like shaking the hand of a farmer, you know when you've encountered someone who has spent a lot of time being steeped in Jesus because you can see it in their gloriously rotund joy. Which is why joy is not just a condition, but it's also a discipline. 
Condition and discipline, these two factors of joy along with the feeling, they they go hand in hand. Joy is a feeling, it's a condition, and it's a discipline. There are times when joy is easy. It's a natural emotional response of good circumstances. Like on your wedding day, it'd be hard-pressed not to feel joyful or when you receive good news or when the snow finally goes away. Now, some of you woke up this morning and you saw the snow and you were joyful for snow. Not all of us. <laughs> Some of us are longing for that day that comes hopefully in March or April or May when kind of the snow breaks and the grass grows and we can start to count the flowers. But that's a feeling of joy. But there are other times when joy is a sheer act of obedience to Jesus. It's a discipline. It's a time that we intentionally focus our heart towards the good, towards the hopeful. Richard Foster called this the discipline of celebration. He said this, The decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. Now, he's talking about celebration there. We could easily use joy. It is not something that falls on our heads. It is the result of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. And that is what joy is sometimes. Joy is sometimes a discipline, a conscious choice. So all these three kind of come into play and they work together that joy is a feeling, a condition, and a discipline. Now if we come back for a moment to where we started from, the ugly things that we began talking about at the beginning of this message, if we look back at those ugly things, we realize that sometimes those ugly things fight against our experience of joy. Even when, of course, they fight against the feeling of joy, but even the condition or the discipline, these ugly things in the world begin to batter our experience of joy. And and here's what Pastor Timothy Keller, because this is our transition now into what we're talking about today, the Sabbath. Here's what Pastor Timothy Keller of New York City said. Because the world is full of ugly things, we need the Sabbath to feed our soul with beauty. See, in the middle of the ugliness of this world, Sabbath is an opportunity to intentionally choose joy. Sabbath is a discipline of celebration. Sabbath is one of the most important disciplines by which we, the the people of God, become full of joy like our God, where we can express His joyfulness. Now, we're in the third week of our series on Sabbath. The first two weeks, we looked at stopping and we looked at resting. Those two weeks, we're, we're looking at ceasing something. We need to stop from our hard labor. We need to rest from all of our work. The next two weeks are more focused on starting something. Today we set our sights on starting to delight, to begin the discipline of joy. I want you to look, at, look with me in, in Genesis 1 and 2. It's going to be up on the screen behind me. Here's what uh, is written in the very beginning of the Bible. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. We read that out earlier. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested, Sabbathed, from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested, Sabbath, from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, as you know, if you've been with us in these last couple of weeks, the word that's translated rested here is the word Shabbat, or the word that we've uh, called it Sabbath. And while it literally means to stop 
or to rest, it also has this other idea to it that, that God ceased, he, he ceased, but he delighted or rejoiced in all of his work. The, the idea here isn't that God got tired, that he went through six days of creating and then he was like, whew, I'm done, and he took a break. That's not, that's not the idea. It's more like the feeling you get after a long, hard day of working out in the field where you finish the work of the day, you maybe take a shower, and you sit out on your porch with a drink, and you just enjoy the job that's been completed. Not that you're tired. You could probably, farmers, you guys could go all day long. No problem. Several days in a row. But at some point, you stop, and you sit on your porch, and you look out at the field, and you know it's been completed, and you smile, and you rejoice in the work that's been completed. God delighted in all of his work. That's the feeling of Sabbath. Notice also that God blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed it and made it holy. The word that is used for blessed there is the word barak, which can be translated or is often translated to bless, but it's also, it also has this idea of to make happy. To make happy. That when God blessed the Sabbath, he made the Sabbath happy. He made it a happy space. The Sabbath is meant to be a happy day. We're invited to take time on the Sabbath for happiness, for joy, for delight. We are invited to delight in lots of different things. But here's some of the stuff specifically we're invited to delight into. We're, we're invited to delight in God's creation. Letting our minds focus on this thing that God said was very good. Even in the midst of the brokenness, there is something very good about the beauty and wonder and greatness of God's creation. We're also invited to take time to delight in, in God's written word. As we stop to say, our God, who is infinite and amazing and, and huge and grand, has written a letter to us. Something written to us that would speak to our hearts, that would tell us about who he is and, and who we are and, and, and all about this stuff that's happening in our world. There is something during the Sabbath to pause and to delight in God's written word. But we're also invited during the Sabbath to delight in God himself. Now that's a strange concept a little bit. We, we have access. In Hebrews, it talks about how we have been invited to boldly, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we've been invited to boldly come into the throne room of God. What a crazy thing to be invited by the creator of the whole universe to boldly come into his throne room because he sees us as his sons and daughters. But many of us have yet to learn how to enjoy God. It's a crazy thing because God actually delights in us. He delights in us. He wants us to come into his presence, not meekly, not, not, not kind of crawling on the ground like a worm, but to come into his presence boldly because he delights in us. And like a good heavenly father, when we come into his presence, he's like, I'm so happy you've come. I'm so happy you're here. But so few of us do that. I mean, we believe in God. We, we learn from him. We fear him. We obey him. But how many people come boldly into his throne room to delight in him? To delight in him. We learn, though, the longer we follow Jesus, the more of our life that we give to prayer, to, to the Sabbath, to silence, the more time we spend disciplining ourselves to spend time with God, the more time we are steeped in Jesus, 
the more that we hopefully realize how incredibly good God is. He radiates joy. As we draw near to him, we draw near to all that our heart is aching for. This, this hole that's been created in us, this, this desire to experience the one who delights in us, we find that in our God. Dan Ellender, in his book on the Sabbath, has this insight. He says, The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in all its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy, setting it apart, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. That last sentence, like, a full day of joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. It's another quote by a theologian, Marva Dawn, in her book, uh, Keeping the Sabbath Holy. She says this, Observing the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to be as careful as we can to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day especially set apart for beauty— all the rest of life is made more beautiful. In a larger sense, the whole practice of Sabbath keeping uh, makes me feel more beautiful. As I spend the day reflecting on the character of God, I am overwhelmed by his love for me. As I feast upon his goodness in all its beautiful forms, I realize more profoundly that I am a special part of his creation and designed especially for his purposes in a uniquely beautiful way. Wow. I mean, I don't know about you, but this does not line up with how I was taught about Sabbath when I was younger. Like, I didn't know about Sabbath, but I was pretty sure I wasn't going to like it. I knew you couldn't play football. I, I knew you, you couldn't watch movies or TV. I knew you couldn't play. You couldn't have fun. That's what I was taught. Even when I was not a, I wasn't even a Christian when I was a kid. And I already knew Sabbath was horrible. Like, I don't want to do that. But I think we've been kind of, it's, it's been, I think Sabbath has been misunderstood. This is actually a day that was created for us. Jesus said that the Sabbath, you, you weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you so that you could get away from your hectic, hectic life. Sabbath is not a dreary religious duty. Sabbath is a life-giving day of joy and delight. Think about spending time with your heavenly Father who delights in you. So how do we do this? Well, here's five brief thoughts. First, we have to slow down. Hurry and joy are incompatible. Delight demands that we slow down and savor the goodness of each moment. This is, this is hard for many of us in our driven, fast-paced world. We need to learn to, the, the slow, unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus has invited us into. Secondly, Sabbath requires to put boundaries around our day. To enter Sabbath delight will require us to say no to some things so that we can make space for other things. Marva Dawn writes, we don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast. Now, I'm trying to eat healthier. 
I'm trying to eat less. I'm trying not to have dessert every day or like five times a day, which is what I got into a bad habit of doing. One of the benefits of this kind of a lifestyle of not eating dessert every day is that, oh man, when I do have dessert, oh, it is good. Like I used to take it for granted, but man, now that I don't eat it all the time, I had a chocolate, a white chocolate macadamia, macadamia nut cookie on Friday night. I was at Greg's house. I had this little cookie. And oh, was it good. First off, I love white chocolate macadamia. Now, don't go buy me any because I'm trying to do this thing of eating healthy, okay? But I love those. But I think it was like even, even better because it was the first cookie I had all week. Oh, it was good. There's something about learning how to fast so that we can feast. We need to create boundaries during our week so that we can experience the freedom on the Sabbath day. Learning how to live with moderation during the week helps us to learn how to celebrate and appreciate it more. A good beginning place for our Sabbath practice is to make two lists, an I will list and an I will not list. Now on the I will list, you might say that on the Sabbath I will sleep. You, you get to sleep in. If you have kids, maybe not so much, but... You get to sleep. I will pray. I will be together with family. I will feast. I will celebrate. On and on you could go. And on your I will not list, you might say, I will not go shopping. I will not do chores around the house. I will, I will not read the news. I will not watch TV. I will not play on my phone. I will not go on social media, and so on and so on. You have to make up your own list. What would you put on your I will or your I will not list? Think about that. Now, this isn't meant to bring legalism. It's meant to bring freedom. In order to enjoy the Sabbath freely, we sometimes have to make up some boundaries. So as you're developing your two lists, it can be a bit tricky to discern, to discern if an activity is a good fit for the Sabbath or not. A good question to ask when you make your list is, does this activity bring life or is it a burden? Is it a have to or a get to? Uh, the third thought I have here on how we can make the Sabbath a delight is that entering the Sabbath, entering into the Sabbath, will, will require us to give ourselves over to joy. Some of us don't really let ourselves experience joy. We're kind of, you know, cranky and, and sad, and, and we just like that. We, we love being cranky and sad, and that's just what we do. And, and joy and happiness, man, we don't let ourselves experience that. And I, I get it. I'm looking at your faces. I see what's going on. That there's this idea that we have to actually give ourselves permission to experience joy. For those of us that are new to Sabbath, a great question to ask is, what would help me to experience the delight of my Heavenly Father? What would help me, help me to, to, to not only know that He is good, but to experience His goodness? Now, psychologists have come up with a term, a great label for when you save up a bunch of fun activities and you put them all at the same time. It's kind of like what you do like on your birthday. So on, our birth, on the birthday, we're going to do all these fun things. Or, or on our vacation, we're going to do all these fun things, right? They, they call, the psychologists call this pleasure stacking. Pleasure stacking. And the Sabbath is a great day for a weekly round of pleasure stacking. I want to tell you what 
I did this summer. So I went through this whole Sabbath series in August, and when it was done, I went to visit my son, Gavin, who's 21, lives in Edmonton. I went to visit him in his house. He lives with a bunch of roommates, but they were all gone, so just he and I had the house to ourselves, and we did a Sabbath day. We started on Friday night, went all day Saturday. It was fantastic. We cooked a meal together, which was awesome. Like, he, he bought all the, the materials for it, and we, like, went off a recipe. It was crazy. It wasn't Chef Boyardee or anything like that. It was, like, this actual meal that we made from scratch. It was awesome. So I, I've never done that. He does it all the time, which is great. But I got to do this with my son. It was really cool. So we made a meal together. We went out, we got these electric scooters. You can get these electric scooters in Edmonton. And we just scootered all around Edmonton. We have pictures of us, kind of like over bridges and stuff, where you can see the, the, night, the, the, the night sky with the, the nice city behind us. It was beautiful, wonderful night. We went around touring on electric scooters. We went bouldering, which is kind of like rock climbing, except you go sideways, which is really fun. We went to a festival and watched street performers. We went to Saturday night church at his church that he goes to. And then we, had, we went out to eat for a supper together. It was a pleasure-stacking day. It was life-giving, and it was full of joy. It was amazing. Now, you will likely choose other things to pleasure-stack. And you can't do that kind of a day every week, but you can do a bunch of exciting, delightful things every week. So here's some things that you might put on your list. So just some options. Feasting which is one of my favorites. Feasting's a good one. Gathering in community, showing gratitude, playing, going out into nature, singing, listening to music, dancing, laughing, looking at art, reading a novel, gardening, mowing the lawn, even serving. If you don't get a chance, I remember I've got a good friend of mine who, uh, who on his birthday, for himself as a joyful experience, what he would do for his birthday is he would go to a senior's home and feed people breakfast. That's what he loved to do. He received pleasure and joy and delight from that. So he would gift himself on his birthday with going to serve breakfast to seniors in the senior center. What a beautiful thing. Sometimes service is a part of our pleasure stacking. There's no precise limits for pleasure stacking. The question is, what gives you life? What gives you life? You're going to find a bigger list. So if you're, if you're following along with us, you'll have a workbook uh, if you don't have one, we've got extras in the foyer. You can even download it on our app. But in the workbook, you're going to find a, a bigger list of things that you can do uh, for, uh, for pleasure stacking. Um, and, uh, and just kind of try some out. See what some of them would look like if you pleasure stack some of these, uh, these things on a Sabbath. Also in that workbook, you're going to find a simple Sabbath ritual that you can try out if you'd like. One of the rituals it's going to talk about, it doesn't explain it, so I'm just going to describe it now. It's, called, it's the ritual of Deyenu. It's up on the screen there, I think. There it is. Okay. It's a, it's a thousand-year-old Jewish Sabbath song. It goes, it's older than a thousand years old, um, which shows gratitude to God by repeating the line, it would have been enough. And they've got actually a song that goes along with it. You don't have to sing the song. The idea is this. You would say, as you gather, you'd say, it would have been enough to have for God to provide us bread and water tonight. But look at this feast that's in front of us. It would have been enough to give us a covering over our heads, but look at this home. It would have been enough to have one or two friends, but look at this family. It's a practice of gratitude. See, Sabbath gives us the space to experience joy and delight. 
Now, there's another piece to this, and we're not going to talk about this for very long, but I want to just go into this quickly. There's another piece to this that in addition to the joy and delight, there's also going to be times in our lives when we go into a season of sadness. And in those times, Sabbath gives us the space to experience Jesus' presence in the sadness. Don't run away from it. Though it can be hard, it is life-giving to come to Jesus in our times of sadness. And we have, if, we, if we have a regular practice of sadness, or oh, sorry, a regular practice of Sabbath, then we will have built-in weekly time to connect with Jesus in our sadness. See, Jesus' desire is not for us to bypass our sadness or to pretend like we're not sad when we are sad. But his desire is for us to not get stuck in the sadness. Jesus is present to go through it together with us and in time come out with us on the other side. This invitation is to enter into the presence of Jesus in joy and delight and also in sadness and sorrow. See, it's okay to be okay. And it's okay to not be okay if we're not okay. In those seasons of darkness where our prayers feel unanswered, where our dreams feel like they're up on a shelf getting dusty or, or even gone completely, when we feel God's absence more than his presence, the Sabbath still comes every week. It still presents us with an opportunity every single week to spend time with Jesus, to enter into his presence, whether we're entering in with joy and delight or carrying with us our sorrow and sadness. Every week we're invited to enter into the presence of Jesus. Along with that is the invitation of Jesus to find rest for our souls. To follow the rhythm of work and rest Jesus invites us into. Because there is a time for work and sweat and fast and lament. And there's a time to stop and rest and feast and delight. This is the invitation of Jesus. This is Sabbath. So just to end this time for us, I want to read for you a promise and a bit of an invitation from God as he spoke through the prophet Isaiah. So here's what God spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight... And the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing a song here. Some of us are going to get prepared for baptism. If you've been thinking today that uh, maybe the Lord is calling you to get baptized, I hope you've spoken to Pastor Nick or, or Pastor Nate or Pastor Amy. Pastor Nate's up here right now, so you can't talk to him anymore, but Pastor Amy, I think, is still at the back somewhere, so you can chat with her. But uh, we're going to be moving into baptism here, but just in this space as we sing this song, just pause for a moment and consider entering into Sabbath at some point. But why don't you stand, and I'll give our closing benediction for us today. We have such a good God who delights in us. I can just imagine 
God, as he's looking down at what's happening today, as people are getting baptized, as people are, are worshiping him, as people are leaning in, he takes great delight in his people. So, I bless you, church, to be filled afresh by Holy Spirit. I bless you to know Jesus more and more every day, to keep in step with the Spirit and to walk with Jesus through all of the good and bad of this world. And I bless you to know that your Heavenly Father delights in you and loves you deeply. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.